from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. If you want to join our late-night national town hall forum, let your voice be heard. Feel free to do so. Our number, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ is the phone number. And it's Tuesday night. What do we have to report? Well, they've caught the guy. Who? Well, the, the the crazy guy, the guy who decided to go shoot his neighbors after he told him not to make so much noise when he was um, licking shots in his backyard. The Texas mass shooting suspect Francisco Oropesa with an S is in custody after a four day manhunt, according to authorities. Uh, they've captured the man that's been accused of fatally shooting five people, including a nine year old boy. Yesterday he was eight. So I guess there's a correction there. Tuesday after. Um, he was on the run for four days, according to authorities. The alleged gunman, uh, Francisco Pesa, 38 years old, was arrested in the Lone Star State on Tuesday. I guess we were all wrong. We all had him being out uh, for uh, being halfway through Mexico. Um, and this is according to the uh, Montgomery County Sheriff's Department. Now, Listen to this. He was taken into custody around 7 p.m. without incident. He's been charged with first-degree murder and hauled off to Montgomery County Jail. According to NBC News, uh, San Jacinto County District Attorney Todd Dillon told uh, the news that the suspect was caught in the city and uh, of cut-and-shoot Texas. Now, uh, Oropesa's arrest on Tuesday ends a frenzied manhunt that included more than 250 cops and the FBI and other law enforcement. So there you go. And there's uh, the image of the guy. Hopefully that's the right guy this time, not the wrong guy that they had yesterday, Mr. Oropesa with a Z, <laughs> which is crazy. And, uh, I mean, just absolutely insane. I can't believe that this actually happened to this poor family. And um, the uh, the neighbor... Wilson Garcia said his wife confronted uh, Mr. Oropesa, believing he wouldn't shoot a woman. Uh, she's 25 years old. Sonia Guzman, however, she was the first one to be killed, followed by her son, uh, nine years old. God rest his soul. That's a terrible, terrible story, along with uh, the rest of them. Anyway, um, not to get into all the, the sad part of the story here, uh, but yes, they caught this guy. And hey, I'm glad they caught him. I'm glad they caught him and you know, I guess maybe he wanted to be caught because if he had any sense, he would have been in Mexico. I guess he was too afraid to try and take the leap. But, you know, you would have thought that would be the first place you'd go if you were on the run. It's definitely the first place I'd go if I were on the run. You know, right? I mean, if I'm in Texas and I'm a fugitive, yeah, look for me in uh, Mexico, guys. <laughs> That's where I'd be. Anyway, I'm glad the justice is being done here and that they, they've gotten this guy and one less Looney Tune on the street. Now, you know, you, you wish and you hope, at least I do, that that's not the case. 
that you know that these things aren't going to happen that people aren't going to be whack jobs but lamentably they are whack jobs and as as crazy as life is that that's how it goes and there's all sorts of whack jobs out there i mean they go from those that decide to you know shoot you for asking them to to quiet down to to those that'll throw a glass of wine at you like this one lady who i'm going to say is crazy who was arrested in florida who uh threw a glass of wine at Congressman Matt Gates. Now, number one, why on earth would you want to throw a glass of wine, period? Uh, you know, like, geez, drink it. <laughs> Salute, enjoy, cheers. But that's what this woman did. She was uh, charged with felony battery after she threw a glass of wine on, on Matt Gates. The woman allegedly threw the drink at the congressman after swearing loudly at him. At a festival in Northwest Florida, Gates, in a press release, vowed to press charges against the individual who assaulted him. And good for him, he should. I think a lot of times people, you know, they do these things, it becomes a big public story, and then they decide to, uh, you know, to just try to disappear when the alleged uh, victim will always, you know, take the high road and say, look, I'm not looking to press charges. I just want them to, you know, just chill. Just don't do the wrong thing. You know, and a lot of, I think the only way you get people to do the right thing is when you do press charges. You Sometimes you have to, you know, follow through on things. Otherwise people, they just, you know, go the wrong way. But anyway, this person's name, Blaine uh, Odom. I know, I'm sorry. That's not her name. Her name is Selena Chambers. 41 years old from Tallahassee. For 41, that's a little bit younger than me. So clearly um, not a, a spring chicken. Threw the drink at the congressman. Oh, goodness. I want to see. I'm trying to see if she ever comes clean and says why. I don't see it here. If, I, if, if I'm missing it, I'll get to it later. But all sorts of crazies out there was the bottom line here that I wanted to bring up in, in talking about that. And, and there's a lot to discuss. The media is a crazy place tonight, right? Uh, crazy state of affairs in the media overall. And there's a, one more story I wanted to share with you here before we uh, take the break. Listen to this. The United States Surgeon General is now declaring that loneliness is the next epidemic. Yep. Fascinating. It really, it really is fascinating to me. Here it is. Surgeon General declares loneliness epidemic, saying it poses risks as deadly as smoking. Widespread loneliness in the United States poses health risks as deadly as smoking a dozen cigarettes a day, costing the health industry billions of dollars annually. And the U.S. Surgeon General said on Tuesday that this is the latest public health epidemic. So now I wonder, A, is this as serious as they're making it out to be? And B, if it is, don't you think that this loneliness epidemic is... I would say directly correlated to the government's response of 15 days to flatten the curve. And when I say 15 days, I really mean, you know, three years or whatever it's been with the uh, crazy COVID stuff where people became absolute Looney Tunes, right? And again, I'm not faulting people. I'm faulting the government for making people, all people into shut-ins, creating uh, a generation of kids that didn't go to school for a whole year. I mean, just absolute insanity. And I, I put this at their feet saying this is your problem this is you've created this now obviously it's all of our problem because we're, we're all ha having to deal with it but no bueno so anyway that's that i'm going to get to that a little bit more in hour number three when we talk about uh, open phones and i'll take your calls on that a little bit later as well 8334 valdez we're also going to talk about the media 
and uh, a couple of other hot topics that are going on. So I want you to keep it locked right here. Don't go anywhere. We got Kevin Jackson scheduled to join us uh, shortly. So don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez. We're just getting started. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And our phone number again, 833-4-VALDEZ. The Hollywood strike is heating up, right? Apparently there's a writer's strike that you've heard about. We talked about it briefly. And the late-night comedy shows have all decided to go dark because their writers are walking out. The walkout has begun. And that means you won't see the likes of, um, or you won't, you know, have the writers for uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, and the rest of, of the late-night cadre of, of comedian hosts. And I, all I could say is, great. <laughs> and not because I don't like them or I don't think they're funny, but because those guys uh, come up against us, right? Because we go straight into the 1 a.m. hour on the East Coast. And uh, if you're not watching those guys, you, there's more of a chance that you might be listening to us. So I'll take it. I will take it all day, every day. Now, you remember Kevin Jackson he is uh, an expert when it comes to media. I, I know I've heard him on the radio for a long time, and he's a, a wealth of information. And I want to talk to him about this. Kevin Jackson, welcome to the program. Rich, man, you're, you're getting the benefit of these knuckleheads being off the air. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's I what I said. <laughs> let's do it. I so, said Kevin Jackson, they, first, the writers let's, let's, went on strike. Go ahead. I said they, they're doing the world a favor. Holy, you, you said you gave them credit. You said, look, I'm not saying these guys aren't funny. I'm saying these guys aren't funny. <laughs> they're not, man. Look, <laughs> there's so much out there. One of the things I, I joked with, I was at an event and they called me at the last minute and I said, what happened? Did, did you guys have to cancel Hunter Biden because he was just accepting his adult video award? People started laughing. It was a funny <laughs> joke. It was a great quip. But you can't even say something like yeah. that. There were, there's none of the guys that would say anything like that in the late night. So congratulations for getting the bump that we know the Rich Valdez show deserves. Oh, thank you, brother. And, you know, what's funny is you're right. That was funny. And it would have only been allowed if it were the other way because of the, the bias that exists uh, against conservatives and Republicans. And you just can't seem to get near Hunter Biden for whatever reason. I, I don't know why. Why do you think that, you know, SNL and, and the rest of, uh, of all of them, why do you think they're insulating Hunter Biden? Good example. Well, think about these clips that we hear. I don't know if you've ever done these mashups where they they all say the same thing like Trump, he's out. Donald Trump on this way out. Everybody says Trump is out. Trump out. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they the do walls these are closing in. Yeah. The wall, exactly. And they all have the same thing. Well, guess what? That's exactly what happens with Hunter. Look, this is an amazing story with Hunter Biden. And I joke about it because in the black community, I don't know crackheads like Hunter. I, I don't know successful crackheads <laughs> that sit on boards of companies. I don't. I don't know crackheads that can fake you know, they pretend that they don't have any money for their baby mama, but they live, they pay $30,000 a month to go live somewhere, that they fly on private jets, that lawyers pay their fees when they don't happen to pay the taxes on the money that they got from the grift. I don't know many of them that they get two point, you know, two carat, three carat rings from Chinese nationals, or that, as I said, show me a crackhead 
If you want to talk about white privilege, I give you Hunter Biden right now, Rich. You know this mm. is true. They cannot get the Hunter to divulge who's buying this art, and I use my finger quotes, that he's getting half a million. Hunter <laughs> Biden is getting what Picasso <laughs> gets for a painting, and the dude paints with his fingers and his toes. I mean, it, this is amazing to me that we're even talking about this. So you asked me the question, how are they running, you know, how has he got this protectional gauntlet? It's because the left is so invested in the Biden family that they can't let anybody go down. I don't think it's going to be successful. I think they're going to I think they're going to fail this time. But holy crap, man, Hunter gets away with stuff that nobody there's no Republican that I know that could get away with it. And I'll be honest, I don't know any dude that I grew up with who we would all be in prison for what Hunter's done. Hundred percent. And even more so what his father does. Uh, which is uh, yeah. even a bigger disgrace. Well, what do you make of that? Let's talk about that for a second, because I try to I try to be as fair as I can be. And I look at this and I think, you know, everybody and I, including me, I make fun of Joe for being a little slow every now and again. But but really, Joe isn't really slow. Right. I mean, he's probably the fastest one here. He, he's pulling one <laughs> over on everybody. Right. Everybody's thinking the guy's a poor little old man. Meanwhile, he's got his son collecting money. He's doing what he wants. He's sold out to, in my opinion, he's really sold out to our enemies. Uh, there isn't a thing left. He's like a gangster. Right. So if you went to the, the Godfather somewhere and you're like, hey, I need this. I know a guy. Hey, Joe. Hey, listen, this is what I need you to do. I need you to look the other way. I got a truck coming in. Right. And, and, and it's like that's exactly what happens. So China's like, you know, we, we have battery. We have battery. We need to fix battery. We're going to make mining for battery, cobalt mining. And, you know, and he's all right. We're going to make electric vehicles. We're going to do it. Rich, and and Rich, he does whatever they tell up. him to do. You should oh, be doing man, I can't up. stand that long. It's, it's good. It's good chemistry. You're the funny one. Here's what I'll tell you. When you were talking about that, the first it got me thinking about when those mafiosos get caught, and then when they go to court, they all got their oxygen, you know, and they're in their yeah, wheelchair. Right, right. <laughs> Very ill, that's like what, Harvey Weinstein. That's old, yeah. Right, that's what old, I call him Captain Demento. That's what Captain Demento does, man. But you're right. He's, he's running game on America, making us think that he's stupid. And then let me tell you, by the way, that's going to be his defense. When they finally find out he's the big guy and they got all these shell companies that they've been hiding this money from. And, you know, but look, everybody knows this is the case. And if if we were talking about the Trump family and I, I hate playing this this little thought exercise because we all know yeah. what would be happening if this were the For Trumps. Sure. But it's a true story. And and Joe is he's running game. And, and you're right. It, it would if it was just Joe and they were doing something and it didn't impact America, I'd still be upset about it, but I would say, okay, whatever, go get yours, Joe. Hillary, Hillary got hers and Barack Obama right. got his, you get yours. But we're talking about things that involve the Chinese, the Russians. And look at the policy of what's happened with China since Joe Biden came on, on the scene. Man, China is feasting. Uh, outside of COVID, China's doing better than they ever would. Our trade deficit with them is almost double. The mm -hmm. Russian the economy was in shambles until Joe gave Biden, I mean, uh, gave uh, Putin permission to go into U to uh, uh, to Ukraine, and now they control wheat, they control corn, they control all kinds of stuff. That, that what they got out of Ukraine, and then we hear, oh, Ukraine is fighting back; they're winning. They're not winning. We've given Ukraine enough money to buy that country. We've given them almost two hundred <laughs> billion dollars of money and armaments, and we got nothing. We didn't even get a Zelensky T-shirt. So, you know, look, they've got to stand behind this guy, sadly, in, in, in his dementia and in, in whatever game that he's going to play. But here's what I'm going to tell you, Rich. 
He will not be their nominee going into the 2024 election. Guarantee you, he will not be it. Well, and that's where I want to go with this, because I'm thinking, what does 2024 shape up to being? We've got Susan Rice stepping out of uh, her role in the White House the day before the campaign. I don't know if that signals that she's going to be on the campaign. She's running with the guy or she's like, I got no part of this. I'm, I'm not messing with this guy anymore. He's out of control. I don't know what's going on. What do you think? Well, uh, Susan Rice, I had, uh, you know, I heard about that. And everybody – there are many people that, that believe that the Obama is still running things. Obama wasn't running his presidency. There are people <laughs> with a much better pay grade than Barack Obama who run things, and they're not going to let a chili pimp like baby black Jesus be in charge. <laughs> so what's really happening You know, is Susan stepping away because she's distancing herself from the campaign? That's what I think. Are people saying it's because she's going to run Michelle Obama's campaign? That's what I hear, but it's not going to happen. Michelle yeah, Obama will not run for president. And is it something that she's positioning for, you know, uh, to work on another campaign? Could be. But here's what I can tell you. The reason why Joe Biden won't be the, the candidate is because people are like, well, Kevin, why did he declare? He had to declare. I mean, he's a sitting president. And if he doesn't declare, then everybody knows blood's in the water. So he right. has to declare. Then they downplayed Robert Kennedy like it's no big deal. We're talking about a Kennedy. We're a not Kennedy. talking about Vivek. <laughs> or a real Swami. Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, right. a real Kennedy. Right. Not a fake Kennedy. So, we, you know, we're not talking about Vivek Ranswamy, somebody that just came out of nowhere. We're talking about somebody that's got name gravitas. Kennedy, this particular Kennedy, is more of a moderate than any of them. I and mean, he, he's a throwback to the old days of JFK. The mm-hmm. only thing he's got going against him is he talks like he's about to die. <laughs> he talks like yeah, he's a yeah, He's got smoker. that whole uh, illness or whatever. And it, it, does, it definitely yeah. impacts it, him, for sure. It really is. It, he, can't be, he can't be forceful enough. But let me tell you who's next. I, I don't know if you remember, but he used to be a radio guy. He had a radio show out of New York, I think, and, and he doesn't anymore because of that. I did not know that. No, I did. Oh, yeah, for years. He was, he was actually like the main guy before Air America tanked. Oh, well, I mean, Air America. Oh, that's why I don't know. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> it was Air America. <laughs> I thought you said a radio show. <laughs> anyway. But Kevin Jackson, hang on. The music means they're kicking us both out. But we're coming back. That's the good news. We're on with Kevin Jackson, and we're coming right back. Don't move a muscle. The phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't move a muscle. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. is night. 
All right, America, welcome back. And our guest, Kevin Jackson, you know him uh, from radio. You've you've heard him here now. We're, we're ha- he's hysterically funny. He's on tour right now with the Unapologetically American Comedy Tour. We're going to get to that in just a second. But I want to wrap up our conversation on the 2024 um, speculation because I think that's an interesting uh a topic that we left off on. Kevin Jackson, what is your your take then? Uh, who do you think emerges from the Democrat Party to take on Trump or whomever is the winner on, on the Republican side? It's tough to say because they, you know, they, there's such a bunch of losers and clowns over there. And I'm not even trying to be funny. I apologize to the losers and clowns who may be listening, even though there's not many of those on our side of the aisle. But the, what I can tell you is Joe Biden is uh, he's aging in dog years. And the the difference between now and another year, I I told people this, Rich, I give him to March of next year at the latest, and he's gone. And then Gavin Newsom is the kind of the heir apparent. It's certainly not going to be Kamala Harris. And to be honest with you, it could be somebody that comes out of the blue. But I have seen Gavin Newsom sort of making this moderate type shift. Uh, but he's not going to fool anybody. So it's a free-for-all over there because it's just it's full of freaks. It really is. And I'm not even trying to be funny when I use that word. The Democrat Party is full of freaks. Nobody knows what to believe. When you can't define a woman, when you want – you call conservative men toxically masculine, but when we send our, our female emissaries, these transgender guys that go over and beat up on all the women, they don't call them toxically masculine. They allow the beat-ups. They allow them. So you know, it's a crazy world over there. And here's the, the, the final point is this for the audience, on, for me on this. They, the Democrats can't beat us if they can't cheat. They don't have a candidate who can compare to Trump, DeSantis, Josh Hawley. Look at our bench. Uh, Ted Cruz, potentially. Some people would even tell you that Kerry Lake uh, certainly would be a VP spot. I know Trump's at least been you know, kind of vetting her to a degree. Christy Nome. There are lots of people out there that we would say we'd be happy with. But the Democrats can't name anybody. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think they, they, they had, they tried to put their names out there. They just, they're, none of them have any gravitas. Nobody, uh, I don't think anybody gets excited, right? I don't think anybody, I, you know, who I get excited about on the Democrat side, Kamala Harris. I would love for Kamala Harris to become president tomorrow. I would love it. I would absolutely adore this. I would love for her to become president tomorrow and run as an incumbent in November against anybody on the other side. This would be one be of the best cycles ever. about this. Oh, let me tell you, man, everybody's like, oh, but that would be how bad could it be? This woman can't get out of her own way. And she's young. She's not old, at least Biden. Oh, Biden well, has a no, lot that he brings to the table. He's an old wish- man. Look, if we're doing wishful thinking, I agree. I'd love to see her. But look, she couldn't. She got two percent when she ran the first time. Look at the retread. So a- Andrew Yang left Tulsi Gabbard, which would have been one of their better picks. She's gone. Uh, yeah. They had four blacks, including uh, Kamala Harris. They had four black people. They didn't pick one of them. They had a young Latino dude. They didn't pick him. They had, what, three, four women that ran? They didn't, they didn't pick any of those. And who did they finally settle on? They settled on the old pathological liar who can't remember where he left his depends. This <laughs> is who their choices were. And, and the, iron, the irony of it is nobody's really complaining right now that Biden threw his hat in the rings. Yes. Yeah, so, so what? The polling says 70 percent of America doesn't want him and that he probably will end up indicted or impeached or impeached, if not indicted. So who cares? He declared. So, yay, verily, let's get behind him. And that, to me, is the lesson to conservatives, because we have there are a lot of people who dumped Trump. I, I talked to people that 
uh, that don't like him, never have and never will, the old never Trumpers, the, you know, the uh, uh, Lincoln uh, Project people. Uh. And I will tell you, yeah, but I will tell you, Trump's got a lot of support and he should have a lot of support because outside of the, the Wu flu, he did a miraculous job as president. Yeah, I, I, 100%. Uh, let me tell you, I think uh, it's going to be tough for, for anybody to, to come out or to come against not only the record, but also the man. Right. I mean, uh, I, I've always liked Trump uh, as a New Yorker. I grew up watching this guy. He was terrific uh, as a mogul in New York. Everybody liked him. Everybody. Democrats, you name it. Nobody hated Trump. Um, right. And then all of a sudden he becomes a Republican. Lots of people hated Trump. But it was really what, when he emerged. And he went against people that I thought were really good politicians and, you know, really wiped the floor with many of them in that debate. And I said, man, that's the guy we need that, you know, when you right. talk about negotiating with foreign enemies, I need that guy. <laughs> Give me that hey, guy man, twice. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I think the guy is a breath of fresh air. I, I know a lot of people don't like style stylistically. Maybe you won't agree with him, but in terms of getting things done, and I think that's a problem. He, he gets things done and, and he's a blue collar billionaire. And like you said, a lot of everybody liked him until he, he declared, but it's a real simple rule in politics, rich. You don't leapfrog people. People ask me all the time, Kevin, would you ever run? I said, I'd run for two, two positions, governor, or president, and you'd have to already have me funded because I wouldn't do any fundraising. <laughs> but it, but those would be the two positions, and the reason is they're the highest. One's the highest in the state, the other's the highest in the country. But let me tell you, if you do anything lower than that, if if Rush Limbaugh had run for st- you know state legislature, he would have lost all the credibility that he had as a, as a radio host, the number one radio host ever. And he would have just become another state legislator. So you have to set your sights high. And Trump leapfrogged everybody, and they hate it because these are people that are career politicians. They studied it. They've connived. They've cajoled. They've got black book on people. And here's this guy that comes out of nowhere and says, you know what? I I think I'm going to be president. I'm going to be great at it. And Mexico is going to pay for it. He does it. He achieves it. (laughs) That's fantastic. You know, Kevin Jackson, you say a lot of funny things and you're a funny guy, but most of what you're saying is, is, you know, spot on. It's 100 percent. But for those that don't know that you're currently on tour with the unapologetically American comedy tour. Tell us all about it. Well, so I got tired of people, white people coming up to me. Kevin, I love what you say. I can't say what you say because I'm not black. And I go, I'd say this if I were white. So one of my, I do a bit during the routine and I talk about how, what I would be like if I were white. And it's three minutes of absolutely fold over in your chair, hysterical a bit, because I'm just telling white people, I'm going to teach you how to act. You know, look, if you're if you're biting your tongue because somebody says, oh, I can't say this or I can't do this. You're not American. You're not living America. So what we did is I, I got with uh, Tim Wilkins. Uh, Tim's, Tim was opening for Trump in Florida, and he he also opened for Saget the night at, before Saget died, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And then Brad Stein, who's known as God's comic. And we do this. He's clean great. Comic Put a helmet show. on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So we do this clean comedy show that's three different styles of humor. My humor is race-based humor because I love making people feel at ease, but then feeling comfort. Saying I love when the audience is laughing and I go, "It's okay, y'all have permission," you know, and and because they don't know what they're supposed to laugh at, and it's because we become so quote woke these days that people are like, Can I, "Is it okay to laugh?" So we say, "Come out, have fun." Uh, you know, laugh at the expense of what's. Ha- and by the way, I don't care whether we're laughing at Trump's hairdo or we're laughing at Joe Biden shaking hands with the air. Funny is funny. 
And so we wanted, I wanted to prove to people that, number one, nobody's going to run on stage and hit me because I got four black belts and I'm not a pacifist. So there will be no Chris <laughs> Rock action if you run the stage on me. But, but we, I wanted people to come out and enjoy you know, laughing at the absurdity of, like I said earlier, transgender men going over. <laughs> Did you see this dude in the London thing? He ran as a man in the Boston Marathon or New York Marathon, but then he ran as a woman when he went to London. <laughs> I mean, we can pick and choose our gender. We can pick. If I'm going to go to prison, Rich, let me tell you where I'm going. I'm going to the ladies' prison. I'm not going to where those dudes <laughs> Why not? are. I'm not. I'm going to declare myself a woman and go because we're that crazy now where you can be whatever gender, you can be whatever race you want to be, Rachel Dolezal, you can be whatever ethnicity, pick it. And and so that's the craziness. And so if if we can't not allow to laugh at that, then shame on us. If we let people determine what the lexicon is, the words we can and cannot say, look, I got fired from Fox because I tweeted that the Kavanaugh accusers were lying skanks. And I tell people all the time, I stand by this tweet. They are. I know what a skank is, and it's not even a bad word for that matter, but I got fired over that, and I could have kept my job. They came to me and they said, Kevin, uh, this is a career decision. (laughs) Are you sure you want to not take it down? And I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean it's a career decision? Like a brother can't get a job if I'm not a contributor for Fox? Screw you and hung up. I, you know, I don't, I'm not a sellout. I'm going to say what I want to say, do what I want to do. Oh, my, my radio, my thing just came on. I don't even know how that happened. That's my, cool. I'm talking like to my AI. now in the house. <laughs> All right. Well, Kevin Jackson, that's amazing. How do people find out about this show? How do they um, get tickets? How do they join you? So we, we're literally going to – so we, I finance the first two locations. We're telling people, if you want us there, you get a, a Patriot group, you know, a couple hundred people, find us a sponsor, and we'll show up. And we will put on a show that you'll need oxygen to get out of. Our show is hysterical. It's so you mean if I want to bring it to New York, I just got to set that up with you guys and, and make it happen? You set it up. That's right. We will come there as long as we, it meets our financial criteria, which is low, by the way. But we will come there and perform. And I swear, this is probably will be one of the top three comedy shows you've ever seen. It's hysterical. And we do at the end of it, we do a bar stool. And I have a clip. I'll send you a clip, Rich, of bar stool where I talk about penis cancer. <laughs> and yeah. it's one of the hey, funniest Kevin, four minutes. Can, can you hang on for, for one more segment just so we could talk about the Kevin Jackson Network? Or do you have to split? Yeah, I'll hang on. All right. So don't go anywhere, folks. We're on with Kevin Jackson. We've twisted his arm. He's sticking with us for another segment. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, so we're on with Kevin Jackson, and uh, the, the clock, as Jim O'Hannon used to say, is a cruel mistress, and uh, we had to take a pause, but we're coming back, and we're going to finish up with the the comedy tour which is the 
uh, unapologetically American comedy tour. And I also want him to tell us about the Kevin Jackson Network. Kevin Jackson. Yeah, so going back on the tour, here's the thing, Rich. I've always been a smart bud. I'm cleaning it up for radio. Always. <laughs> and and just because I always looked at life as you got to look for the thing that makes you kind of have a chuckle about stuff. Yeah. And the more the, the I would just say people have become more vitriolic and mean spirited. And I'm not talking about us. I think the conservatives are still very friendly. We want to engage. We want to learn about things. But the minute you bring something up where somebody says you're a racist or you're a homophobe or you're a transphobe, we get this new these new words all the time. And now it's so ridiculous that we've got to d- identify our, our pronouns, which, by the way, Rich, my pronouns are sexy and chocolate. If you choose the one you want to talk to. I go by so. El Macho. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my pronouns. I love it. I love it. So, yeah. So, you know, but we're, we're at a point where, you know, we can't even believe reality. If you were to wake up from 20 years ago and somebody popped you into this world, you'd go, you got to be kidding. So I look at it as every time I would go do speeches and, you know, I get hired to go out and do something. And my shtick is funny, right? It's about humor. I would, people would go up before me and they're all serious, you know, okay, we got to close the border and, you know, second amendment, they're going to take away your guns. And, and I'm going <laughs> right. up there like, what's up white people? You know, I'm glad <laughs> to see so many of my, my fellow black folks here today, you know, and I make them feel a little uneasy before I let them know it's okay. I don't care if I'm the only black dude here. In fact, I'm kind of glad, right? Cause I get to share in all y'all's wallets when I steal them. So oh, that's funny. the point the point is we would just have a good time and everybody would just go, man. And so I did an event. I mean, I do them all the time, but I did one where I came off stage and people were like, Kevin, that was funnier than Dave Chappelle, you know, and then you start getting compliments like that. And you know that your comedy is sticking. So I've always been that guy. And I said, you know what? I'm never going to take this stuff seriously. I, I mean, I know what's going on in the world. I, I in under my jokes is the seriousness. And that to me is more powerful than me trying to preach to you about, they're not going to take away my guns. Yeah, well, you know, so I would rather deliver it in a way that makes you think. So I've always been a thinker, and uh, that's how they got born. And I, when I talked to Tim and Brad, we said, let's go on tour. We did a tour uh, a few years ago called the Reparations Comedy Tour, and I had four white guys on tour with me, and I emceed it. And so we would do, we, yeah, reparations, right? So if we, when I would do radio hits, they'd say, Kevin, you know, it was a setup joke, but they'd say, Kevin, why'd you hire four white guys? And I'd go, well, believe it or not, they're cheaper than Mexicans. So <laughs> it was meant to elicit funny out of people and make them uncomfortable. That's a joke that you should be a little uncomfortable with, but it's funny as hell, right? So that's what we're supposed to be doing. And that's why I started. Now, as far as the rest of my brand goes, if you look at my stuff, I'm the quintessential smart butt. As I said, uh, when mm-hmm. I first got started, I said, my joke will be, uh, I'm bringing you emancipation too. This time, even the white folks get freed. That was my catchphrase. <laughs> and, and I believe that because now we're all enslaved. It's not just black slaves. Blacks were re-enslaved with this idiocy of living in Democrat indoctrination centers that call cities. But Everybody's a slave. Now, look at what happened two years ago where we were wearing you know, butt diapers on our mouths and, and locking ourselves down and then forced to get a shot we didn't want. And I could mm-hmm. go on. We, we enslaved ourselves. So we had to do something that made people laugh. And I think, I think comedy is the best way to go about it. And then quite frankly, look at what we just talked about earlier. No writers, right? 
Who was yeah. who, name me one of those guys that was a conservative, even a moderate for the most sake? None of them. They're all staunch leftists. All they do is criticize us. They call us maggots because we believe in America and so on. So I wanted to do something to counter that. Excellent. Kevin, tell everybody how they can uh, learn about the tour, how to find you on social media, the website. Let us have it. Yeah, the the T H E V Kevin Jackson Network is where you'll find me. Almost everything I do is there. My movies, I'm, I'm an award-winning filmmaker. You can get to my, my writings there, my musings. Um, I do a little TV show in the mornings. Uh, everything. The, the Kevin Jackson Show. Net. And while you're there, pay your reparations, white people, okay? There's a little <laughs> button that says donate. I love it. Kevin Jackson, I uh, thank you for being with us both for the uh, the commentary and for, for the laughs. Uh, you got to have you back. Good luck with the tour. And if I could bring it to New York, I'm definitely going to. Absolutely. Let's keep in touch, Rich. Take care. All right, brother. Thanks. All right, folks, your calls and more coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. So the Surgeon General, the United States Surgeon General, says that loneliness is now posing the same widespread health risk as smoking a dozen cigarettes daily. I can tell you there's a lot of things, in my opinion. I'm not the Surgeon General, nor do I play one on the radio. But I can say that there's probably a lot of things out there that pose that similar of a risk, right? Like paying more in taxes, uh, being... Uh, very weary about where your kid is going to end up because they might be in college now or you're hoping they get to college and you're thinking, man, you know, the economy isn't doing that great. You're seeing banks fold. And, you know, I wonder, you know, back to my uh, my joke from earlier, because uh, I really mean that. I, I don't know if, if, if there's this massive problem with banking. You know, when you bring on these experts and uh, that I respect and I believe, uh, I think that they know what they're talking about. And you, and you say, how many more of these bank failures can we expect? And they all pretty much seem to be saying, I mean, again, across the board, whether it's Janet Yellen or Steve Moore or whomever, they all say, you know, I think, I think it's kind of isolated. We, we probably won't see too much more of that because they don't see it as a trend, right? And they feel that things are pretty sound economically. So then that makes me think, well, then if things are pretty sound, then okay, there, there may be the occasional bank failure, uh, but it makes me wonder, What's to stop the big bank from doing whatever they can to make sure that they could pick up these little banks and crush them? You know, almost like let's just say the, the big box home improvement store versus, you know, the smaller um, Ace or True Value hardware store. Right. If you've got a president and an administration and regulators and watchdogs that will look the other way because they will, then it's free reign for whoever wants to bully the other guy. Again, just a piece of food for thought for you. Anyway, we've got a lot more to discuss coming up straight ahead. The uh, the academic libs are at it, and we're going to have a discussion with Mark Bauerline coming up next.
Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I'm happy to be back. I'm back in the New York area, by the way. Um, I want to welcome you to our late-night national town hall forum. If you want to be heard, the number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. And uh, they've caught the uh, shooter from that... Um, crazy event that happened uh, late on Friday over the weekend. The um, shooting of the neighbor, he shot an entire family, uh, leaving five dead, including a nine-year-old. Uh, absolutely horrible story. And the um, uh, they did catch this guy. They caught him in Texas, believe it or not. And we're going to talk about immigration a little bit more uh, after the bottom of the hour. Uh, I, I've mentioned this before just because I think it's, it's absolutely um, fascinating that they're, you know, the, the Surgeon General is now declaring loneliness an epidemic after they made people shut in their homes and allowed us to only communicate via video call. Uh, this was something created by our government, and voila, now we have loneliness as deadly as smoking 12 cigarettes a day. That's amazing. Anyway, uh, then we have this other big story. I don't know why it's a big story, probably because... You know, they're like radio hosts. They like to talk about themselves in the media. And uh, the uh, Hollywood strike, the writers in Hollywood say that late, co late night comedy shows are going dark because writers are walking out and that's already begun. So uh, if you're not watching the late night comedy shows, listen to this show. Now, of course, there's other stories I want to get to. And one of which is from um, Fox News here. The... UNC, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, a bunch of professors are opposing U.S. history courses, saying that these courses are an assault on American identity. And they're arguing that requiring courses on American history violates their academic freedom. So uh, over the weekend, uh, the um, presidential candidate, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's been on this program before, he... Uh, argued um, with um, the, uh, the host, and I don't think he was arguing with the host, he was just arguing on that program with Pete Hegseth on the Fox News channel, that more civic education uh, is necessary, in particular for these professors, 673 university professors that have signed a letter opposing courses on America's founding. And uh, it's crazy, right? 673 university professors have signed a letter uh, opposing America's founding and the Constitution. This is a literal assault on our republic, a literal assault on our democracy. Hundreds of professors at the University uh, of North Carolina signed this public letter and revealing that their their new courses and, and other things they feel would... Um, be better a better fit and that also maintaining these courses on the constitution and whatnot would be an infringement on their academic freedom 
So this is what's happening. It's even up for debate in their state house. And they're just, I think they're out of control. Uh, they're, um, they're listing some of the, um, essays from the Federalist Papers. Um, they're listing Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from uh, Birmingham jail and the Gettysburg Address, as well as the Emancipation Proclamation, the Declaration of Independence, and the United States Constitution uh, as required reading in this bill that's being um, debated in, in the State House there in North Carolina. And I think, yeah, well, amen, you need that, because if you don't uh, require that and make it a three-credit course covering America's founding and history, then... Um, you are faced with these academics that have clearly gone beyond woke and they're just anti-American, in my opinion. So with us to uh, make some sense of this crazy is uh, Professor Mark Bauerline. He's a professor emeritus of English at Emory University. He's also the editor at First Things Magazine. Professor, welcome. Uh, glad to join you, Rich, and call me Mark, please. I don't know if I can. You're, you're so professorial <laughs> in my brain. I will try. So now, tell Herr, us. Herr, Herr Professor Doctor. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and Professor Doctor Mark Bauerlein. Uh, I heard of this and I said, you know, let, let's get Mark Bauerlein on, please, because um, I, I feel like this is insanity, but maybe that's just me on the sidelines. I tend to have that knee-jerk reaction being a radio guy. Uh, I think maybe somebody who's in the thick of it, who, who spent their career in academia, maybe you could uh, shed a different light. What's your take? Well, it's, it's very clear. Who do these outsiders think they are to tell the experts, the professionals, the ones who know best, the ones, we, we have PhDs, we write books and articles, we've been teaching courses, and, of course, we, we've done such a great job over the years of teaching young people American history. Our, our, our young graduates of high school and college, they know so much about history, don't they? I mean, the, <laughs> the, the professors, they've been steering the ship for a long time uh, in terms of higher education and bringing, bringing people into an understanding of the United States. So, yeah, who do these, who do these outsider bullies? and know-nothings really think they are. It, it, th my indignation is, is over the top at this, at this Rich, I, I, I must say. Now, yeah. let's get to the realities here. Mm -hmm. Of course, young people, they graduate from high school, they go through his classes whose standards have been crafted generally by history professors in one way or another. They don't know anything. Every time the NAEP gives the U.S. history exam, more than half, of the high school seniors who take it fail. In terms of higher education, kids are walking away from history. They don't wanna take the courses with these professors. In 1970, you had almost 6% of all the bachelor's degrees in America were in history. History majors made up a significant, of course they were, they were a real portion of the, the undergraduate population. Now. It's a little over 1% who major in history. In the last 10 years, the number, absolute numbers of history majors are down about 30%. The kids are walking away, and the general population doesn't really know very much. So you professors, they call themselves, we're the experts we know. Well, guess what? You've been doing a terrible job for decades 
You have no credibility on these issues. And when outsiders are stepping in to try to remedy the problem and just get basic understanding of American civics and historical documents, you guys give your, your, your protest about academic freedom. Rich, all we can do is give me a break. You guys, you're, you're, you're not serious. And one thing I want to say about the letter that they wrote, I, I looked at the letter. It's insufferable. Rich, but one of the points they made is they say well, one point was they refer to the Board of Governors, these, these outside oversight group in the state, ongoing assault on diversity, equity and inclusion efforts at UNC schools. The board presumes to dictate what words are acceptable in any discussions with prospective students, employees and incoming faculty. Now, Rich, isn't it funny to hear the faculty accuse other people of dictating the proper words. One Absolutely, is to right? Use. They're, they're the ones that invented this, this hustle. Uh, completely. And what, what, what's really behind that is in faculty hiring now in higher education, it's quite common for them to require a diversity statement out of every applicant. And what is the diversity statement? It is a loyalty oath to progressivist left-wing ideas. It, marking your fidelity to identity politics. This is actually a violation of academic freedom. And you guys turn around and accuse the outsiders of saying, knock this off, okay? Stop inserting your ideological criteria into who gets to work on your campus. So again, I, I, I mean, I, I could go on, Rich. I've seen this many times before, mm -hmm. but the, the point is, look, when an entire discipline become ideologically skewed, then, yes, it is time for an outside body to intervene. And that's what we have here. Yeah, and, and speaking of outside bodies, that's a good segue to my next question, which I want to hold over until the next segment. But I know that you, you wrote an op-ed uh, a couple of weeks back on on what what they're doing in Florida, right? Because similarly, like North Carolina state legislature designed this uh, this this bill to to kind of protect the founding documents and our history in America. Um, Governor DeSantis has also done stuff to strengthen education in florida and they dubbed it racist they dubbed it everything and, and i thought it's it's ridiculous and i think you, you wrote a really good piece on it that i'd, I'd like to get your take on but uh, before we go i want to leave a little bit of a cliffhanger um is it a heavy-handed statement for me and to be as honest as you want um to say that w when these academics are are claiming that that this is an assault, like you just outlined, an assault on their academic freedom, when in, in effect, this is a real assault on heterodoxy and real academic freedom. Isn't this the result of the fringe once uh, communists that were trying to take over in higher ed actually having taken a foothold? It's amazing how I have seen in my, in my time how a department, let's say, with only two or three hard leftists, people who, who use communist tactics on things, how that those two or three can steer 25 people in and pull them in, most of whom are moderate liberals, rather spineless, yeah. squishy people, but, you know, nice people. They want to be pretty conscientious. They just get drawn toward the extremists. 
and the extremists are all on the left. When you don't have a few conservatives in the room to pull back in the other direction, then the left wins. And what have we seen in the last 50 years is the steady, slow, but steady elimination of all conservatives from the higher education faculty. Very sad state of affairs. Folks, we're on with Professor Mark Bauerlein. He's a professor emeritus at uh, Emory University, English professor, and we're going to continue this conversation. Plus, we're going to bring up his uh, op-ed in the Miami Herald. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Professor Mark Bauerlein, Professor Emeritus at uh, Emory University. And um, he's uh, written a piece uh, back in March in the Miami Herald where he was uh, outlining how Governor DeSantis enhanced, not weakened, African-American studies in Florida. And of course, that was the big talking point uh, of that month (laughs) was how they were saying how racist it was. And just like so much of what they do against anybody that gets in the way of of their, um, I'm going to say, fascistic goals, uh, you become the enemy. Professor Bauerlein. Well, what what I said there was, you know, when when Governor DeSantis said, we don't like this AP African-American studies course. It's tendentious. It's hostile. It's anti-American. Of course, he got accused of being of, of wanting to eliminate African-American material from the classroom. I worked on his English curriculum, English standards uh, a couple of years before, and I just laid out, look at the English standards. We got Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, We've got Ida B. Wells, Barnett. We've got we've got all kinds of Al, Alice Walker, Tony. It's all tons of African-American literature and culture and history are in there. Give me a break, you guys. Do your homework. So, uh, but, but let's get to the bigger picture here. The professors want to dismantle the American tradition. They want to take down the reverence for the founding and for the founders. They even want to take away thorough knowledge of the founding documents of the First Amendment. They don't want students, young Americans, to grow up feeling any strong connection to their own country. This is one of the ways in which you undermine a country. You undermine its tradition. You take away any of its moral value. And and this is this is what they've done. Now, if if kids were graduating from high school and college with strong historical knowledge, if a lot of them were piling into those history courses, then maybe we would have no, no justification for intervening in, in the curriculum on history. But that isn't the case, not at all. So right. you guys are a failing enterprise. And when people fail, they need to be corrected. Yeah, well said. And I, and I want to, you know, I think you put it so nicely, but to me, you know, I, 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 what stood out for me was you have part of this establishment, right? Part of this academic establishment, uh, the, the left wing within the establishment, however you want to phrase it, that is really actively trying to erase a portion of our history. 
And if you create, you know, generation upon generation of people who really don't understand the framework of the United States Constitution and what it is and how it limits the, the government in our lives, as opposed to telling us what the government's allowed to do in our lives. Uh, I, I think this is where the, the root of all the problems are. And people start to look at the government as the solution instead of almighty God as the solution or the all provident here. And, and I think, you know, um, Marx had this, this quote that I never get right, but it was about forfeiting his soul. And, and I feel like he knew that he couldn't uh, coexist with his philosophy and any deistic philosophy because it would fail because people would ultimately worship at the altar of their God as opposed to worshiping at the altar of his idea of socialistic government. So I think, uh, and maybe I went too deep with it there, but I feel like this is really what they're after is, you know, if you don't know, then you'll believe what I tell you. I think Rich, that was very well put. What what you just said about Marx, we cannot allow any theistic, any religious orientation in the room because it's actually more attractive than what I'm offering. You know, anti-Americanism is not a happy condition. Patriotism is. You know, people want to feel good about their own country. It feels good to have loyalty towards something. It feels good. Like I have something good to which I might sacrifice something of myself. That's better than hating your own country. That's better than feeling like your country hates you. And so we do right. not want to give any space to the patriotic figure. We don't want to give any room in the curriculum for the patriotic idea. And I think you're getting down to it. The reason why they're such control freaks, the we reason why they, they have political correctness so tight on college campus now is they know that in an open marketplace of ideas, they would lose. Mm -hmm. And they're very good. I mean, Rich, Rich, I have seen that the left is so much better on issues of personnel, getting into institutions, getting onto the committees, getting into the rulemaking. They're so much better than conservatives are. At, the, at these things. They're, they're, they work hard at it. Professor, the music yes. means they're kicking both of us out of here, but thank you for joining us. I can't wait to do it again. Uh, you, you have a great way of explaining things to all of us, and I appreciate you being here. Anytime, sir. You bet. God bless. You're a patriot. Folks, more to come straight ahead. We're going to discuss the latest on what's going on today, and uh, we're going to talk to Michael Henry on immigration. He's an immigration lawyer. Don't go anywhere. Valdez. For 90 days, these 1,500 military personnel who will be sourced from the active duty component will fill critical capability gaps, such as ground-based detection and monitoring, data entry, and warehouse support until CPV can address these needs through contracted support. All right, and that's uh, General Pat Ryder, uh, Pentagon spokesperson. Uh, discussing how 90,000 migrants are crossing the U.S. border in in the last 10 days uh, over panic because of Title 42 ending. 
And uh, that's the response of the administration will be to send 1,500 troops uh, to the border to address this surge. And I have to tell you, this is, uh, again, too little too late. Sure, I could be critical, but I have to say I'm happy that the United States military is intervening at the border. This seems like a president that's putting his country uh, first. And I wish I could say that was really what was going on. This seems more like a president that wants to get reelected so that he could say that he did this and be like, remember when I sent 1,500 troops? And, you know, and this is what he wants to do. Uh, and there's already 2,500 National Guard uh, troops at the border. And uh, it seems like it's going to continue to grow. So I want to talk about immigration overall and about this, uh, this the, the troops and all of that, because, you know, of course, this reeks of politics to me. But there's a few other angles that we haven't discussed yet. And I want to discuss them with Michael Henry's former uh, Republican candidate for New York State Attorney General. Michael Henry, welcome. Thanks for having me, Rich. You bet, my brother. So uh, let's let's uh, talk about this. Actually, if, if you don't mind, I want to set it up with a little clip of audio, a little back and forth from the White House, uh, where I think this is a would have been a chance for candidate uh, Biden to say, you know, yeah, yeah, this is what we're doing. And instead, you get the, the, the typical song and dance from Corrine Jean-Pierre when asked about the troops. Listen to this. If the border is secure, as the administration has said, then why would we need to send 1,500 active duty U.S. troops down there? Because we need more work. We need more work needs to be done, Peter. We put forth a, a comprehensive immigration uh, uh, legislation, and Congress, uh, Republicans in Congress, refuse to act. And so the president has used the tools that he has in front of him uh, to uh, to prepare ahead of uh, Title 42 lifting. As you know, that is happening uh, in, in the next couple of days. And so we are putting uh, DHS, Department of State, is putting forth processes processes uh, to deal uh, to deal with the changes that are going to be ahead of us. Now, of course, this is uh, Karine Jean-Pierre playing the, the little dancing game that she does, Michael Henry. And these troops that are going to be active duty are going to be replacing Customs and Border Patrol people from doing data entry, warehouse work and other work. No law enforcement function. So they're not actually going to be supporting that. But they're saying they're going to free up the Border Patrol agents to do their law enforcement jobs. What do you think of all that? Well, there's multiple things that they're doing, and they could sit here and say there's not a border crisis, but this 1,500 is going to supplement probably another 3,500 that are already there. They're also opening two new processing centers in Colombia and Guatemala for people who believe they have a legal pathway. They're moving 500 DHS case officers down to the border, and when they're down there, guess what they're not doing? They're not working on refugee resettlement. They're not working on the backlog of cases that are already in the system. They're also sitting here trying to cut a deal to send uh, Cuban, Venezuelan, Nicaraguan, and Haitian um, migrants and deport them back to Mexico along with Mexican and uh, migrants from the Northern Triangle. So they're sitting here doing all these things, but then trying to tell us there's not a crisis. When I was running for attorney general in late 2021, I was calling on my orchestra to resign. And we're sitting here. Now, Title 42 is going to be coming to an end. The border is not properly manned. The majority of these people do not have legitimate claims for asylum because a legitimate claim for asylum is you're being persecuted based on race, religion, nationality, membership to a particular social group, a political opinion. Because you grow up in poor economic conditions or you live in an area with gang violence, you don't qualify for asylum. If that was the basis for asylum, half the city of Chicago would be considered asylum seekers. So the reality of the situation is 
this administration has not been serious. This president has not been serious. And now as the election is coming up, they're panicking and they're trying to trick the American public. And the problem is the system is so backlogged that even though they're, they're taking new measures, for example, if you're a single adult, they're just going to have you in be, uh, Border Patrol custody. Um, guess what? If you're with a family, they're going to let you right back out into the United States for the most part and then tell you you should have a, a, a notice to appear and check in with ICE when you get to your final destination. How many of these people who know they don't have asylum claims are really going to be checking in and showing up to a removal proceeding in immigration court? Yeah, I'm thinking zero. <laughs> exactly. So th- this is, um, uh, um, uh, we had a guest on the other night from Heritage saying uh, it's a shell game. And they're just, uh, they're kind of making it up as they go along with. She says there's a 90% reduction. It doesn't seem like there's a reduction in anything. But because they're processing them differently, they're, they're able to say that there's less apprehensions. Uh, is, it, is this a bureaucratized way of facilitating a faster open border? I don't know if that's it, because at the end, look, people that come to a port of entry without papers should be immediately deported. That's just the reality of the law. Um, I, I think they are kind of in panic mode and maybe trying to fix some of this, uh, you know, but the, the reality of the situation is I just don't see this administration being able to handle. It. And quite honestly, it's going to be a challenge for any administration, because even during the Obama and Trump administrations, you the, the immigration courts weren't fully staffed as is. Now you're right. going to be setting up these camps and the backlog. We don't even know how many people are in. They're saying there's been 6 million border crossings. They're saying 20,000 people just in the month of April alone. Who's processing these people? How much data entry could 1,500 uh, National Guard or, or activated troops do? And how many of these people could be processed? And the problem is they let them out. You know, they look at this guy that just shot this family in Texas. He mm-hmm. was deported how many times and keeps coming back in. Don't, don't. And the other thing that nobody's focusing here is forget about people that they say are coming here to work. We're opening ourselves up to a terrorist attack. Is it going to take a wide scale terrorist attack? And then we're going to have to create a bipartisan commission in Congress to see what went wrong and why we weren't properly securing our border. We have fentanyl coming across the border. You have human trafficking, sex trafficking kids that are being sexually abused, kids that are coming in, people don't even know who their relatives are. And I would encourage anyone, go sit in an immigration court and listen to asylum hearings and see what goes on and the stories and the, the claims that, are, that, that have no business even being heard that go on. And then look at the woman who's been in rape camps and a victim of female genital mutilation in Africa or the Afghan translator who's trying to, to get, into the, get into this country and see how they have to sit in line because our system is inundated with claims. And at the end of the day, guess what? Words have consequences. And Joe Biden got up in a Democrat primary debate in 2020 and basically said, come on, everybody, come in. It was more important to have the opposing position that the Republican Party had when it came to this. And the system is crumbling. And the difference that the thing that differentiates us with other countries, and I could tell you this as someone who's lived in Italy and Europe, the reason their immigration system struggles is because they don't assimilate people the way we do. Our system, legal immigration in this country has worked and made this country so much better because we assimilate, we assimilate people and they get to live their American dream and they become part of the fabric of society. Oh, this, this, what's going on at the border, 
These people are never going to be able to do that. And the taxpayers have to subsidize this. Who's feeding these people? Who's going to be educating their children when they're going to be put into schools? Who's treating them medically? Who's, who's paying this? The American taxpayer. You know, Michael Henry, we've seen this happen in other countries where they start these camps that eventually become like prisons. And I've, I've mm-hmm. seen incidences where these camps last so long that they start having families within them. And that's the only home some of these newborn children know. And I can't imagine that we're going to create a prison like system uh, of nomads in the United States, uh, a U.S. sanctioned one, let alone. And it just uh, it it blows me away. Folks, we're on with Michael Henry, former uh, Republican candidate for New York State Attorney General. He's an immigration lawyer as well. And we're discussing immigration and some of the hot button topics uh, on the news of the day. And we're going to continue with him straight ahead. He's with us until the bottom of the hour. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. In the United States, we arrested 153 defendants, seized 104 illegal guns, and seized over 200,000 pills, including those containing fentanyl. There is a bit of a -a whack-a-mole problem here, and we are whacking as hard as we can. We are getting more and more sophisticated uh, and more and more capable of finding um, um, both the perpetrators uh, and the victims and the customers. All right. That is uh, United States Attorney General Merrick Garland talking about the record breaking Operation Darknet bust. It's a fentanyl bust that nabbed 288 suspects and 53 million dollars worldwide, according to the Department of Justice and the statements that he was just making. And Michael Henry, um, clearly there's a huge fentanyl problem, both an appetite for it in our country and moreover, um, uh, those that are pushing it into our country. Um, you know, during the break, I was discussing the story of, of somebody that died from, from taking a, a um, counterfeit fentanyl, uh, counterfeit Adderall pill that contained fentanyl. And you know, when, when these people die, these things get labeled as, as overdoses, fentanyl overdoses, but these pr- people weren't even intending to ingest fentanyl, right? It, it, it's an overdose, but these are more poisonings than anything. And it's clear to me that even outside of any appetite for drugs we have in our country, the the Chinese and the Mexicans are really pushing this drug into our country. And their point of entry is the southern border. Michael Henry. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I think that what we're not taking in account is, I, look, I travel New York State, for example, and people think in New York City, I mean, this state has some very rural communities and many instances, very poor communities. And there's not a corner of New York State, all 62 counties, where they don't feel this fentanyl crisis. And this is something that's impacted our country. And also think about these people that are coming here across the border as mules. What kind of life is that, that your family's indebted to a cartel and the cartel threatens death to you? And I think that what people don't understand is how 
strong these cartels are, the influence they have in the Mexican government, um, the influence they have in many of these countries. My, my friend was a very high-level CIA operative that actually chased bin Laden to Afghanistan and then also was a station chief in, in South America and said the drug cartels are better equipped than al-Qaeda or terrorist organizations. And I think that one of the things we've failed to do in many instances as Americans is we probably should have had some kind of Marshall Plan for Central America because these countries are basically being floated by, by drug money. And we don't seal the border. We haven't invested anything in many instances into trying to build these economies out. And then the other thing is I, I think now you're seeing this push to label drug cartels as terrorist organizations. And I, I think that's something to look at and also using the Racketeering Act as much as possible to freeze their assets because they don't care how many Americans buy. And if you notice, they're funneling it into our country. They're not giving it to their own people for the most part. And I think that this is something that Merrick Garland said something very interesting in this press conference. He said it's like whack-a-mole. What's whack-a-mole? You hit one mole and another one pops up. And we need to take this serious if we really care about our families. This is a family issue. People are losing children. They're losing family members. And if we don't tackle this on a full-scale level, which not only includes whether you want to label them as a terrorist organization, law enforcement, military, but also some kind of economic development in Central America so that people aren't relying on the drug trade, this, there really needs to be an above-all approach on this because otherwise Americans are going to keep dying. And the Attorney General of the United States and the President of the United States' job is to protect American citizens by any means necessary, by all means necessary. Yeah, well put. Well put. And I just wonder how much of it happens. I know there's been some talk about a foreign fentanyl bill. I don't know a heck of a lot about it, but I know that um, it, in effect, would rule out certain things and make it legal for but, Americans to sue China you know, and Mexico over this stuff. But, but you, you know something, Rich? It, it's not just fentanyl, right? In the 80s, it started, the cartel started in marijuana. Then they right. moved to cocaine. Then you had crack. You have heroin. Now you have fentanyl. If you close the border, nothing comes in. Like it's always, there's always going to be a new drug. But the common denominator is an open border and our ports of entry are easily accessible. That's the problem. Feel the border and try to stop anything from coming in. But we're not doing that. So once they stop, once fentanyl runs its course, there'll be a new drug and our border will still be open and they'll still be poisoning Americans. Yeah, well put. Michael Henry, stand by. I want to get your take on crime in New York. Uh, there's an article in today's New York Post that shows a subway rider with another subway rider on the floor of the subway car, and he's got him in a rear naked choke. So we're going to get to that one in a second. Folks, don't go anywhere. Plus, your calls are coming up. We've got calls from all across the country. We'll definitely get to a few here uh, right after this break. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Uh, quickly, we're going to go to your calls. Our, our guest is Michael Henry. Our caller is Kim in Michigan, KDKA. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich and Michael. Um, just two quick things, and I'll talk quick. Um, we, we have a big problem. In, 
working its way towards the border. There's a rush of between 700,000 and a million illegals heading up through Mexico that they were planning to hit our border uh, the day that Title 42 ends. And I think they're going to, like, rush us. And um, the other quick thing is, is the reason I think Biden is sending down the, the soldiers and he's starting this parole system with the NGOs right in Mexico, he doesn't want to have another little Haiti set up there under a bridge. He wants it's the optics. That's all. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kim. Michael Henry? Yeah, they're, I mean, look, they're trying to, I mean, there was one thing that they were talking about possibly, you know, pushing remain in Mexico again. Um, so people would stay in Mexico while they're awaiting their asylum hearing or possibly doing uh, one of those uh, third country safe or third safe country agreements where um, if you're coming to the U.S. or you come to the U.S. border, but let's say you're from a northern triangle country and you go through Mexico or you come through Canada from another country, that if you didn't apply for asylum in the first what's quote unquote a safe country, then you you shouldn't be getting an asylum hearing in the United States. They're trying to push some of these things. Um, we really don't know how it is. I also have a big concern because the, you know, the president of Mexico is an about socialist and he clearly hates the United States when you hear him speak. So I don't think he's going to do anything to help us. And that's a concern of mine. But look, Title 42, there's going to be a rush. Everybody knows it. And hopefully they're prepared to stop it. All right, folks, we're going to get to the rest of your calls after this. Uh, before we let Michael Henry go, Michael Henry, with a minute to go, uh, I, I saw this video. I said uh, not a video, but an article on somebody choking somebody out on a subway. Ends up the guy was a homeless guy that was harassing people. Somebody steps in to intervene, puts him in a chokehold. The guy dies. And um, that's what's going on in New York. Um, as somebody who ran for the top law enforcement position in the state, how does that sit with you? Um, look, nobody wants vigilante justice, but I think we're in a situation right now where hardworking, law-abiding citizens are frustrated. They're They're scared. They feel like nobody's protecting them. I don't think this man wanted to kill this individual. I saw the video. Um, look, he, maybe he was on drugs that led to him. You know, we, we don't know, right? We don't right. know the whole story. There has to be an autopsy done. But I think we're in a situation where my biggest fear, and I was saying this last year, is we don't want to see another Bernard Getz, right? We don't want to see this vigilante justice that we saw in the 80s and, and early 90s. But if people don't feel safe, they get desperate. And this is the situation. And Kathy Hochul's new budget does not really do anything to fix the crime problem. If anything, she let the people down and it's window dressing and it's either going to stay the same or get much worse. And you're going to start to keep seeing this kind of behavior happen because people are going to defend themselves. All right, Michael Henry, we'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Godspeed to you, my brother. Good talking to you again, Rich. Take care. Thank you for having me. Likewise. You bet. All right, folks, Open Phone America is coming up next. Give us a call, 833-482-5337. Don't go anywhere. Open phone starts right now. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late-night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. 
And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? Hi there. Good evening and welcome to America's Late Night Town Hall Forum. You're welcome to be heard here on Open Phone America. My name is Rich Valdez. By the way, Valdez with an S, you're welcome to uh, chime in online if you'd like at Rich Valdez on all of the social media or give us a call. 833-482-5337 is our phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, I was distracted because I was reading this um, this story that I was just discussing with our last guest, Michael Henry, where there was um, an incident that took place in New York. But this is a problem that's facing people all across the country, right? Increased crime, increased problems with mental health uh, are nobody's becoming a stranger to those problems, lamentably, and everybody's dealing with it. And we're going to get to your calls momentarily. Uh, I just wanted to share this because I feel like uh, this is one of those things that never makes anybody feel good. But you've got this 24-year-old Marine veteran who takes this guy down because he's, you know, attacking people on the train, moving them out of the way, uh, all over the place, and uh, looked like he was getting more violent. This guy brings him down. And puts him in a rear naked choke to uh, put him to sleep. And another passenger is like holding his arms down while, you know, he's, you know, trying to get out of the chokehold. And this goes on by one. The guy who gets who got the video and the pictures says that this went on for 15 minutes. Now, I can tell you just from the very little tiny bit of jujitsu I did growing up, I can tell you that 15 minutes uh, you're killing dead people by that time. I mean, people fall asleep, you know, in a couple of minutes, not not 15. Anyway, um, I'm not saying that this guy did anything that, you know, to, to kill this guy. I am just saying, like, if it's true, those 15 minutes, man, that's, you know, um, we look at the knee on the neck of George Floyd at George Floyd. And that was um, nine minutes. Right. So anyway, um, they say that uh, they let him go. The guy was released without charges, uh, but horrific video, right? Horrific footage. Just uh, watching this is just horrible to see. And uh, and, and I, I think, would I have done the same thing? Perhaps, maybe yes, who knows? But it, it's a horrible thing. And all I could think of is when things like this happen, people always want to cast blame. And that's a natural reaction. And I would say, where is the government that everybody swears by, right? Where is it? If you don't want people to take matters into their own hands, if you don't want people to defend themselves or others, if you don't want people to end up uh, defending themselves and potentially killing someone who might be a danger to someone else, then where are the police? Where is the safer subway system? Where is the mayor who's always easily and readily found discussing uh, immigration and all these other things? But where is he on this? Where is he on actually having more cops on the subways? Where is he on getting these people off of the subways? And by these people, I mean people that are mentally ill and getting them the help that they need. This is clearly a problem in New York City, and we're seeing it in cities all across America. Where is it? You know, we can't or we shouldn't be. We ought not be. We ought not be the people that watched the massacre of Tiananmen Square, right? Let's, let's not be that people. Let's not be those people, the people that watched that one brave person step up to that tank, and then he got squashed by that tank, and then others joined him, and they got squashed by tanks, and then protests broke out, and the government squashed them like bugs, 
and they got a couple of the soldiers and they burned a couple of tanks and, and other government vehicles, but they lost fighting City Hall. We, we should never become these people. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't fight for what's right. I'm saying think we shouldn't let things get this bad that we become like China, where they can run you over with tanks and hide it. This is horrible. And the fact that it's happening is just uh, it's just heartbreaking to me, honestly. And uh, I'd love to get your reactions on that and immigration and everything else that we were talking about tonight. Plus, if you've missed any portion of the program, of course, this is hour number three where we take all across the country and uh, on any topic. Everything is a game. But if you missed any of our conversations earlier with Kevin Jackson or with uh, Michael Henry or Professor Mark Bauerlein tonight, you can always go to Rich Valdez America at night dot com. Rich Valdez. That's with an S, by the way. Rich Valdez America at night dot com. And you can listen to the program on the listen live link. You can subscribe to the program's podcast and listen on demand anytime you like. Or you could just click the play button on any episode you like because it's listed by guest and by date. And you could do what you like, send it to a friend, do what you got to do. Uh, and I appreciate that. I also want to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast, both the America at Night podcast and the podcast for um, my original podcast, This is America with Rich Valdez. That's a separate podcast. Uh, and all of the reviews that you've left, they are amazing. We've gotten so many five-star reviews with so many great um uh, compliments and feedback. So thank you to everybody out there that's been so supportive. Uh, I did just post uh, some of those as uh, an Instagram story. Uh, there's probably about 30 or 40 um, reviews that came in and they're on my Instagram story at Rich Valdez with an S if you want to take a look at those and you could follow me on Instagram as well. Anyway, I want to get to the phones. Uh, let's go to Alan in Ravenna, Ohio, WNIR. Alan, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Um, evening or uh, morning, uh, Rich. Uh, Both. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, again, this is uh, station. Um, listening to you on the radio is amazing. Um, you have an amazing crew. Um, oh, thank you. Answering the phone. Uh, answering the yeah, phones for you. Yeah, you do. That's um, Count Delacula, by the way, on the phones. Yeah. He's terrific. Um, but I, I was trying to get to uh, get a hold of ask Mike, uh, Mike, Michael, sorry, Michael. Yeah, Michael Henry, with sure. Uh, with the uh, flow of immigrants coming up, and uh, there's so many in Texas and Florida, and uh, uh, Governor Abbott, you know, he's, he's studying some out, and like Chicago, New York, you're only seeing like a tenth of right what they what they the flow that they and mayor lord lori lightfoot was just on the news begging greg abbott to uh uh governor greg abbott to, to stop sending people to their sanctuary city right sanctuary in, yeah in quotes um because they were full they couldn't take anymore their their hospitals were full they're they're just had too many people in the city. Yeah, it's overwhelming. Which is, yeah. Is that something really, though, that could bring awareness if that kept happening? Could it bring awareness well, I think, to I more think people? I think you're right. I think it does bring awareness. I think she 
making those announcements. You've got the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, who I like to call elite Eric Adams. Elite Eric Adams is constantly saying they've got to stop sending people here. And then in the same breath, he'll criticize Biden in many ways, saying, well, you know, the federal government has to step up because he doesn't ever want to turn his back on the immigrant, the downtrodden, because that's how he feels the media will skewer him if he takes that approach. Uh, Lori Lightfoot has taken a harder approach saying, look, no, stop sending them here. And of course, she was voted out, not because of that. I'm not making that correlation, but I'm just saying uh, politicians are very fickle people that are very afraid of criticism and and they don't want uh, to ever have that that bad um, to be cast in that bad light. So, yeah, I think it's important that we uh, keep banging the drum for liberty and freedom and a safe uh, border whenever we can. And at the same time, holding these elected officials accountable to what they were there to do, you know, to keep the city safe. And, you know, instead of complaining, why don't you just do your job, work with federal authorities to get them, you know, I haven't ever heard Lori Lightfoot say, hey, look, I stand with federal authorities that want to come here and and get these people out and relocate them to where they need to be, whether it's a federal facility or wherever. She's not talking about anybody getting deported or any type of support for um, the rule of law. No, she just wants to make sure that, you know, it's not ending up in her city. Same thing like Eric Adams. And the reality is you can't have it both ways. You just really can't. You have to stand for law and order or stand for the bedlam. I don't think there's an in-between or a gray area when it comes to this stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. You let me know if I am. 833-4-VALDEZ. Alan, thanks for the call. I appreciate your kind words. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And earlier, um, comedian, former Fox News commentator Kevin Jackson was on the program. Here's a little bit from our exchange. I didn't. They had four blacks, including uh, Kamala Harris. They had four black people. They didn't pick one of them. They had a young Latino dude. They didn't pick him. They had what three, four women that ran. They didn't. They didn't pick any of those. And who did they finally settle on? They settled on the old pathological liar who can't remember where he left his depends. <laughs> That's Kevin Jackson. I think he's pretty funny. And um, he was uh, on with us earlier. If you missed any portion of that, check it out at com. And in that exchange, we're talking about uh, what happened when Joe Biden was eventually picked as the uh, nominee for president of the United States. And he was saying how, you know, there were so many options of people of color that the Democrats could have picked. And they chose to pick uh, the old white guy who couldn't find his defense. That was uh, our conversation with Kevin Jackson. And uh, to the phones we go. Let's go to Jerome in Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Jerome, welcome. Hey, hey, Rich, uh, you said Kevin Jackson used to work for Fox. Did he get fired, too? Oh, he did. To be quite a few he did. He got maybe. fired. Uh, just let me fill you in. He got fired because he said that the women that accused 
uh, Brett Kavanaugh were lying skanks, and uh, they didn't like that comment, so they let him go. Yeah, they don't like they don't like women at Fox, do they? Huh? Sexual harassment, uh, harassing your producer. They don't like women too much at Fox, do they? Uh, I don't know. It seemed like they were trying to defend women there, and 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 they didn't like his joke about women. Who would like a joke? That's not funny, man. That's a fireable offense there. Calling women something like that. I mean, hey, I'm sure he has women in his family. Does he call them? Does he call them them kind of names? Does he do that? Listen, I can't talk for him and what he does. But if you were asking me that, I would say, you know, I'd either pull out a, a line from Trump's playbook and say, only Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> or I would say, I only call the women in my family that accuse Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> I would, those are the only ones I call lying skanks. But uh, it looks like you don't, you're not a fan of Kevin Jackson, huh? No, he's a bum. Hey, but you know, you know what Trump's line would be? I like to grab him by the you-know-what. Oh. When you're a celebrity, <laughs> they let you get away with it. <laughs> uh, he's one of my heroes, Trump. Love that guy. Thank you, Jerome. I appreciate your call. And uh, I don't think Trump told any lies in that statement, by the way. I think he told it like it was. And I think that's part of why he got elected, uh, truth be told. Let us continue the conversation. Let's go to Jan in Chicago on WKAN. Jan, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. It sounded like you said some bad words that aren't approved by the FCC. Uh, But uh, thank you, Jan. Thank you. Uh, I I, I only heard a few of those words. And I'm guessing if you're in Radioland, you... You didn't get to hear that because we're on a delay and that got uh, erased. But uh, Jan, if that is his name, um, he said that I was, uh, I think he said I was a doped up something sucker and, uh, and something else. And, and uh, none of it really seemed to fit. Jan, this is what you do with your night. I, I spent three hours on the radio, which I happen, happen to love. I adore uh, speaking with this audience. But um, Jan spent, I don't know, 40 minutes on hold for 10 seconds of insulting me that never even made it on the air. So nice try, pal. Anyway, let us continue with Todd in Atlanta, WGKA. Todd, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hey, uh, thank you, Rich. I uh, just want to say I really love your show. Uh, you have great thank guests you. and you let them uh, go deep. And, and I'll, I'll learn so much every time I listen. So uh, thank you for oh, that. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, your guest talking about education. Um, I'm reminded that 2019 was the centennial of the Communist Party in America. And they gave us uh, critical race theory, which in and of itself is institutionalized bigotry. And they mm-hmm. also gave us the 1619 Project. So uh, I think they're... Um, they're fulfilling, you know, Lenin and, and Hitler's words, you know, give me your children and I'll own their future. And it's, you know, it's disgusting what they're doing to their minds, poisoning them about our country. And look at what they're trying to do to their bodies with all this uh, transgender insanity. So it is just uh, so disgusting. And, and we have such a great history, so much beauty, uh, so many stories, you know, so much providence. It's like you can see the hand of God in American history. And I think yeah, it's I just, agree with you. you know, part of their plan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David Barton, 
you know, I love, let me he, tell you a quick story, story about David tell. Barton. Now that you mentioned that, and I'll, I'll, we'll get right back to you. But David Barton, right? I saw David Barton somewhere when I was a pretty young man, I think maybe 18 or 19 years old. And I heard him talking about um, his book, Original Intent. And it was about the Constitution and the original intent of the Constitution. And he backed up everything that he uh, he spoke about historically with uh, both history and the history that informed it from the Reformation, not from the from the Enlightenment. Uh, so the 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 deistic part of it, right, where people these people were deists and they were um, they were some of them were very devout Baptists and this that and the other, and it, it was just fascinating to me. And uh, I, I enjoyed his book and followed his his work through Wall Builders and whatnot, and eventually met Rick Green some years ago, who's been on this program before, and. It was because of his explanation of the Constitution that I became a listener to the Mark Levin Show and loved the Mark Levin Show. Eventually uh, got a job on the Mark Levin Show and became uh, a guest host of the Mark Levin Show. And, and here I am today. That's how I ended up getting this job here with uh, being a guest host on Bohannon. And um, so, yeah, I have a lot of respect for David Barton. And I just wanted to share that because I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't know that part of my history. Go right ahead, Todd. Well, uh, iron sharpens iron, right? So, uh, yeah, you meant to that, brother. You're doing such a great job. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, and, and it, like you say, it's part of erasing the Judeo Christian heritage of not only America, but the West, the way they don't want to teach American or Western civilization. And it is, it is such a betrayal. You know, they're, they're robbing the kids of knowledge of, of, of our country and, and our civilization. And like I say, you know, what they're doing to their bodies and their minds oh, with yeah. this transgender stuff, they are just, you know, they are robbing them evil. of mind I mean, and robbing them of body. Yeah. It's a, you're right. It yeah. is evil. And thank you, Todd. I, you I'm going to let you go just because the music's about to kick in and they're going to kick us out of here. But uh, I thank you uh, for your thoughtfulness and for your compliments. I appreciate it. Call back anytime. Todd in Atlanta on WGKA. We're going to get to the rest of your calls straight ahead. we got calls in Florida, calls in Montana, and more coming in. Uh, plus, i got some audio I want to play for you. So don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Don't move a muscle. Welcome back. And um, our phone number, if you want to join the conversation, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. So uh, we talked a little bit earlier, the Texas shooter has been caught, and uh, Congressman Matt Gates has had a glass of wine thrown at him. Now he's going to be proposing a bill, co-sponsoring a bill with, wait for it, drum roll, please. My least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, who I like to call All Out Crazy. And AOC All Out Crazy is going to be co-sponsoring a bill with Matt Gates 
And I know that they're not the best of friends, but they both believe that members of Congress should not. Um, what uh, now it went blank on me. Uh, something to do with their um, buying and trading stocks. And I think that's uh, good for them. That's kind of how you uh, you get things done in Washington. You find that place where there's common ground and you say, look, I'm going to hold my nose and work on this with you because ultimately you have to work with the other side. We can't live this life. This is why people say, oh, Rich, you got to stop calling for peace and unity. I don't know if I, do, I know how to do this any other way. You know, the other day somebody sent me a note on private message. I didn't have the time or energy to write back. But uh, it was basically uh, saying, uh, let me see if I could find it. I'll read it to you, and then we'll get to your calls. Because it was really, um, in my opinion, uh, interesting how, I don't want to say bloodlust, you know, uh, but, but very interesting. And let me see here. It's in the, it's in the uh, right here. Here we go. This is Chris, middle initial A, last name Mino. Seems like a really nice guy. And here's what he writes. Rich, the other day on your show, your point of view was to, and he says he's paraphrasing, don't do as the Dems do, not, uh, you know, not to obey the rules, not to follow uh, decorum, et cetera. And he says Republicans should not stoop down to their level, which I don't think I said, but that's what he understood from what I said. And he says he totally disagrees. And he puts that all caps. And he says we should match the behavior now. We have to match their behavior now. Sick and tired of being lied to, disrespected, and having no accountability. It's time to take off the gloves. And I understand this frustration for sure. And he says, look at all the laws broken time after time. Brandon's son flying on our dime. That's Hunter on Air Force One. Uh, paraded out there even after all the laws and corruption happening in plain sight. Tennessee politicians have been reinstated after their insurrectionist behavior, etc. He puts in caps again, all caps, we the people are sick of it. Please change your point of view. You're a decent guy, Rich, but today we need fighters. And um, I thank Mr. Mino for that uh, for that comment. And all I could say to that is, look, I just, if somebody punches you in the face, you punch them back. But if somebody's walking around punching people in the face randomly to make their point, I can't say, look, if they're doing that, we got to do the same thing. I just, I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. I say, you know what? Let that guy come over here. I'm going to give him something he wasn't expecting. But I'm definitely not going to go around just beating people up. That's what they do. And I can never become them. And I can't become them to defeat them, right? Because good is good and evil is evil. And I can't become evil to say that I'm good. It just, how, how does that work? Oh, in order for me to defeat evil, I've got to become evil. No, no. And I think, you know, we had a guest the other day that made that point really well. And he said, we're, you know, talking about um, violence that we needed. Uh, we had to be an anti-violent uh, or non-violent people. And he said, we don't need to be a non-violent people. We, we needed to be uh, people that, that, defend ourselves when we have to be defended, but we non-aggression, right? That's, I think the term he used was a non-aggressive people or a non-attacking um, people. And, and in fact, he was saying, don't go after people. We're not going to use violence to attack people. But if somebody's violently attacking you, you're going to violently defend yourself. And that makes all the sense in the world to me. And I, I get it. I get that people want people that are getting out in front of things and people want people to, to, to be the tip of the spear, and to, to lead from the front, not from the back. I get all of that. I really do. Uh, I just, I'm not going to, I, look at Ron DeSantis. Look at Donald Trump. 
right? You have people that definitely lead, right? They're taking on the, the culture. They're taking on the establishment. They're taking on whatever they perceive to be as the biggest issues that are uh, out there. And they take them on head on, but they're not using the government to, um, to go after people. Right. And even though there's some criticism of that, of DeSantis saying he's using his position as governor with the Reedy Creek thing, um, but they're not putting anybody in jail. Right. They're, they're not they're not um, going after the family members of people trying to destroy and eliminate their livelihoods. That's that's not the case. You know, Trump doesn't do that. He just he goes out there and he's brash and he's unapologetic and he makes his case for things. And I think that is what we have to do as a people. We have to be brash and unapologetic and, and, and make our case, but it doesn't mean we have to become the other side. So anyway, I welcome those um, comments and uh, yours as well. 833-4-Valdez. Let's go to David Bradenton, Florida, WWTK. David, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Well, good evening. This is my first time calling your show. And uh, basically, uh, I'm a concerned American, number one. Um, I happen to be a certified paralegal. I graduated uh, close to six years ago. And basically, I've been investigating the Constitution a little bit, trying to help uh, solve the dilemma that is facing the United States today. And what no one is talking about is... What is that dilemma, sir? These these leaders are violating their oath of office daily. Is that the dilemma you're talking about? Hold it now. Yes. Is that the dilemma? Stop talking. Is the dilemma that you're citing the fact that they're not upholding their oath of office? Yes or no? Yes. Continue. Well, Congress representatives have a duty to impeach the president when he is derelict in his honoring his oath of office. They are to impeach him. And Biden has demonstrated on multiple occasions, number one, when he stopped uh, the wall from continuing to be built. He does not have authority to violate a decision made by the previous Congress. Number one. Number two, he told border agents not to detain illegal people crossing the border. That's an oath of office violation by him and a violation of their oath of office by the border agents. Now, when people don't affirm their oath of office, they are to be removed, number one, indicted, number two, and then prosecuted. Now, that's not being done in the United States today, but there is hope. You know what the hope is? Waiting for it. The grand jury is convening in Florida, and it's going to investigate this exact subject I'm talking to you about. Wonderful. Anything else you want to add? If if there could be uh, people to talk more about oath of office violation by their governors who are permitting illegals to remain in their states, that's a good thing because the Constitution is the supreme law of the United States. And when governors overthrow the Constitution, they're, they're actually committing an act of treason against the Constitution and against the people they represent. Now, and who, would you get, who would you get to prosecute acts of treason against a, uh, a president if you can't even get members of Congress to do their job to impeach a president? You have the grand jury in Florida that's convening right now today. All right, so here's what I'll do. I'll make a deal with you. 
Once your grand jury is convened, you give me a call back and you let me know what the outcome of this grand jury was, and uh, we'll take it from there. I'm going to bet whatever you'd like to bet um, that zero is going to come out of this because ultimately an oath of office, lamentably, is is like the, the it's kind of like this expectation that we all have that when I walk out on the street tomorrow, that people are going to do the right thing. While I hope and expect that they're going to do the right thing, there is this thing called evil in the world and it's real. And there's a possibility that just like when you you stop at a stop sign, the guy next to you stops at the stop sign, but the third guy wants to do the rolling stop and kind of go through, maybe cause an accident, maybe not. There's always going to be people, right? It's kind of like the gun control debate that they constantly make, saying we have to put we need more laws for guns. We don't need more laws for guns. We don't need more laws for crooked politicians. There's enough laws for that. What we need are good, honest people. And clearly we're in a deficit of good, honest people. So. I don't think there's a grand jury in the world that's going to produce good, honest people. Hopefully it'll hold accountable the ones that are being dishonest. Uh, but in the 247 years of our nation's history, I've yet to see any of that stuff actually happen, right? It just hasn't happened. I don't think today's going to be the, the first for it. If anything, we're seeing it go backwards with the uh, pseudo fake phony fraud prosecution of Donald Trump. Um, and, and tr making that to be the case, like as if they're uh, holier than thou saying we're finally holding the man accountable, right? We're finally holding our politicians accountable. Nobody's above the law, right? That's the, the rhetoric that we hear. But yeah, that's, that's my, uh, admonition to you, David is please give me a call back once we've actually discovered, uh, what happens from this grand jury, if it comes back with an indictment. And once there's an indictment, let's see what happens. Let's see if they get a prosecution and anything happens. I doubt very much that's going to happen. There was a case similar to this, um, brought by the brothers Brunson, um, different legal theory, but, but similar in, in nature. And, um, another nothing burger of a case. And I said that on the air and I was right. And I think I'm right here as well, but you let me know if I'm right or wrong when the outcome occurs. Thanks for the call. More from all of you in Montana, Florida, Indiana, and everywhere else straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at night with Rich Valdez. Call now 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482- Fine job, and I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, Mitch McConnell has been saying some uh, interesting things about the debt ceiling debate. Listen to this. When the American people don't give all the power to one side, they're saying you guys need to figure out how to deal with the bigger problems by negotiating. This will so ultimately, in my view, be solved when the Speaker and the President reach an agreement. You know, Mitch McConnell, I don't, I don't know who he's for. I feel like these statements that he makes are specifically for the media. 
I can't imagine there's an American anywhere that hears Mitch McConnell say something like what he said, because we put our differences aside and uh, we're working the speaker and the president. And when he says something like that, as if he's some sort of authority on, on, on compromise. I don't think anybody looks at him that way. I think it's solely fodder for the media to go and say, and the Republicans are saying, and then they repeat what Mitch McConnell's saying, knowing full well Mitch McConnell and like four other guys are the only people that feel the way he feels. It's just so remarkable to me that he's even still around as, as a member of Congress blows me away. You know, uh, it, I don't know. He leaves me speechless and that's kind of difficult <laughs> anyway. It's very disappointing, uh, the experience I've had with Mitch McConnell. Let's go to John in Vero Beach, who wants to tell us about a disappointing experience of his own. John on WTTB, go for it. Yes, Rich, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to listen to your show. I, I love your show. And I Thank give you. a shout out to you, my late night amigo with a perfectly normal ego. <laughs> Thank you. I'm sure there's some that'll disagree, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Anyway, John, what's well, tell us about your story with uh, Walmart. Oh, yeah. I was waiting in line, and there was this lady in front of me who was checking out her goods with her cash, cashier. Had two items, and the cashier goes to scan the two items they wouldn't scan. She's The cashier mm. stands there staring up into space for two or three, maybe four minutes. And the lady Wow, says, that would drive me nuts. Right. And the cashier, instead of getting on the radio, which she could have done and called her supervisor, just stands there and says, it won't scan this, won't scan, start shouting at the customer. And the customer <laughs> walks 20 feet across over to the customer care center, gets the supervisor herself physically over to the register, and the supervisor scans, gets the stuff scanned through. Unbelievable. I mean, you can't make this up. This is the kind of caliber of people we have graduating from our high schools. <laughs> this is very sad. And, and this goes right to what we were talking about earlier with Professor Mark Bauerlein, where, um, you know, he was saying that, you know, we're, we're, we're robbing kids of the ability to understand history by taking away elements of our history that reinforce why we have a constitution and why we have our founding. And uh, I think this is happening across the board. We're seeing a dumbing down of of each generation and i don't think that's normal uh it's normal in america but i don't think it's normal anywhere else john yeah i agree it's scary stuff now you know um I, I was in florida this weekend i didn't make my way to vero beach although i do have a really good friend that I, i'm going to visit next time uh, i go to florida so i will be in vero beach relatively soon probably in the next few weeks how's how was the weather for you this weekend 85 and clear oh uh, well yeah, it was pre pretty good. It was, uh, first couple of days, we had a little bit of rain, just coming off a little bit of a rain spell. It was pretty good. And um, I just want to give a shout-out to a wonderful uh, uh, Fulbert retired colonel, Mr. Mar colonel Marty Zickert, who has dedicated his life to helping veterans and started a, a veterans center in the in Indian River Mall to help veterans. Well, big, big salute to you, Colonel. We appreciate uh, your service and uh, and you as well, John. We appreciate you for shouting out the colonel. Thanks for the call and big shout out to everybody on WTTB. I appreciate your call, John, and your kind words like always. Anyway, more from you guys after this. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez.
with Rich Valdez. All right, let's go to Gene, Terre Haute, Indiana, WBIW. Go right ahead. All right. Uh, President Trump had a bunch of pieces of the wall built, and I wonder what happened to them. You know, did the Biden administration destroy them, or were the governors not able to put them up? I just kind of wonder what was going on with the pieces of the wall that were already built. That's a good question, Gene. As far as I know, Right. So there was um, there was a few tactics that they used. One was they made sure they weren't building an inch of new wall anywhere. So some money that was earmarked to build the wall, they said, we're not using that money for that. Uh, then there was some walls that were being built and they said, stop construction on that. And they actually left the materials out. And they uh, some of these materials got ruined by the weather and whatnot because they were out there for oh, over a year. And then uh, they got sued. Uh, because the uh, members of Congress, uh, I think it was members of Congress that sued them or America's first uh, America first policy Institute. Somebody sued Biden and, uh, and he lost. And they said, you have to the wall that was being built has to continue being built. You can't just say no. So um, they, they uh, had to go ahead and build that portion of the wall. And th- that's as much as I know. I know that he agreed to do no more new wall. And um, that's where it is. So, I mean, a partial wall, I guess, is somewhat better than a, no wall. But eventually, if you keep walking, you're going to find gaps where there's no wall, no fencing. And voila, we have the, the problem that we have. Now, I also think it's unfair to paint the picture that if we build a wall, the problems go away. There are portions, from what I understand, that are that won't support any type of barrier. So if you, if you can't put a barrier up, then... You, you know, you can't have a wall. You can't really have a fence. It has to just be patrolled by sensors and drones and where you can, you know, SUVs and actual manpower. So that's as far as I know. But I know that Biden did whatever he could to not put it up until he was sued and then was forced to do it. And if I can find the article, I'll put it out on social media at Rich Valdez with an S. But, um, yeah, I think you're right, though, Gene. We, we need more of that. We need a lot more of what, what Trump was doing at the border. Um and sadly, we're not getting it. Anyway, Frank and Evergreen, I can't get to you now, but I promise I'll get to you tomorrow. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless. Keep it locked right here on this station for some great radio programming ahead, and we're going to do this all again tomorrow. Take care. God bless. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.